Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. And I'm now going to welcome Simon. Thank you. As I trip down the stairs. You really are making a big thing about those glasses, aren't you? Dear, dear, dear. Such a drama Whereas queen. I am four years older. <laughs> Next week I'll be arriving with the Lord will just... Probably comes before a fall. A couple of things before we get into the uh, talk today. I want to tell you about what's happening next week. Um, we've got these lovely people coming to speak. Nigel and Joe Hemming. They're great friends of ours. They're from Birmingham. They're famous for doing all the Great Big God stuff. They've six albums, uh, worship albums for children, have been produced by these guys, uh, which many of people like Cross Rhythms that say is some of the best children's worship that's come out in recent years. So we worked with these guys for uh, 12 years in Birmingham as part of the senior leadership team in Birmingham Vineyard. They're godparents to our boys. They're fantastic people. You'll love them to bits. And they're here next week. So uh, we're really looking forward to They're not in Birmingham now. They're in Winchester. They left uh, Birmingham in 2012, called by God, to take over Winchester Vineyard, and they're leading that, and I've seen that go from strength to strength since they've been there. So we're really looking forward to having Nigel and Joe Hemming with us uh, next week. So just pray that God will use them to speak to us. We've given them a free reign. Even though it's Advent, we've said, do what you like. So who knows what they'll bring. So we're looking forward to, to hearing them and, and seeing them next week. A um, little bit of family news before we get into the talk again today. I want to talk about um, our recruitment. We've talked to you before about adding staff uh, to our team here at Riverside. We need to increase our capacity as the church grows, as the organisation grows. And we've mentioned to you about two full-time staff that we're looking to bring on, two assistant pastors. Uh, one will have responsibility for operations and communications, and one will have op- uh, responsibility for children and youth. Now, initially, we were going to go out to tender, if you like, go out to, to uh, recruit both of these places at the same time. But we've sought the Lord and we feel God has said to us that we need to go out for the assistant pastor for ops and comms before the children and youth one. Now that might seem incredibly counterintuitive because of our love and our heart for children uh, and youth. And uh, if you've got kids, you've got young people, you might be thinking, well, that's a bad value statement in, in terms of the life of the church. I really sought the Lord this morning. So I, said, I, look, I thought, on paper, this doesn't look positive if you've got young people. Okay? So I thought, Lord, how can, I, how can I encourage and comfort the church? Actually, uh, we're listening to you and we're hearing you. And the Lord took me to Matthew uh, 17. And it's the, uh, it's the story of the transfiguration. And uh, the three disciples get taken by Jesus up a mountain. And he's glorified. He's transfigured. He's, suddenly they see him as he really is in his glory. And he shines. And Moses and Elijah appear next to him. And, um, and Peter, who's always the activator, the active disciple, says... Lord, would it be good if I put up three tents, you know, to give you shelter? One for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. Uh, And then the father speaks from heaven, and he says, uh, this is my son, and then these are the words that sprang off the page this morning, listen to him. And as a team, we've really tried to listen to God for the next stage of Riverside staff team, and we feel God is saying to us, this is the order he wants to build the team. And so I suppose I want to encourage you this morning to say, can you trust us in the conviction that we have And also, can you trust us that as we respond to God and listen to him, it's the best place to be for all of us, regardless of our age? Because the Lord desires obedience, doesn't he? And if we're obedient and responsive to his plan and his purposes... You see, we don't... When we we heard God, 
we listened to God and God brought us here. Okay, no one sent us here in that sense. No one recruited us. We weren't headhunted by, by TEC to come here. We listened to God and we responded to God. And God brought our lives and your lives to convergence and we came together. And we don't know who the people are that God is calling to this church. We don't know where their life stage is, what, what they're currently doing. But we do believe there's a convergence going to take place. And so as we've listened to the Lord, we feel this is our conviction. But we, that doesn't mean in any way we're devaluing our children and youth in the church. In fact, we believe by doing this, by listening to the Lord and being responsive to him, we're actually doing the best thing for our, for our church. And so it might feel a bit counterintuitive to you, but trust that we are listening to God. And I feel that word this morning really helped me and confirmed to me that we're listening to the Lord and we're responding to him. Because sometimes as a leader, it's much easier to act than to listen. <laughs> it's the, sometimes the easiest thing in the world is to do something. And that's what Peter loved to do. He's an activist. So, Lord, I just should do something. And the father said, no, don't do something, listen. Listen, that's the best thing you can do. And so we're really trying to listen hard for the blueprint that God's got for this church and all the things he has for us in the future. So can I ask you to pray? Can I ask you to be praying with us during this season? Because we want God to bring people to us who've got passion and calling for this church and for this area. Yeah? So can you really pray as we go into this season? We'll, we'll put the first job advert out hopefully this week. And we're just praying, God, send us the right person. Call to us the right person. Because we were called by God to come here. Many new, We had a great uh, welcome uh, evening last night. Many people joining the church, feeling called by God, feeling like when they walk in, it feels like family. It feels like the family they've been wanting to join and connect with. And we believe that God is adding people to us to bring about the purpose he wants to bring about. So will you pray with us in this next season that God will add the people he wants to add? And that person might be near, as the scripture says, that person might be far off. We don't know, but we want to bring the people that God will call. Is that okay? Yeah. So I'm just, going to, I'm just going to seal that in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, that you, you, you desire to speak to us. You're the God who speaks. The words issue forth from your mouth continually. And uh, Lord, I thank you this morning that you spoke again to me. And Lord, sometimes making the hard decision, God, is, is difficult, God. Sometimes it's much easier just to do something, to act. But Lord, we want to be a church that listens to you, listens to the voice of the Father. And uh, as we walk into the blueprint you've got for us, God, we just pray you bring the right people, God, to this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so in terms of time frames, uh, we'll, we probably think about a two-month stagger between the two. So we'll go out uh, initially uh, for two months. And then as that process draws to a close, the first recruitment process, the time scale will go out again for the second post. L- the Lord willing, as we listen uh, and, and continue to take the steps because that's the crucial thing. Are we being responsive to what God's saying in this process? I know you've been through a number of journeys where we, you think God's doing one thing and actually he does something completely different. Your last pastor was a, a case in point. You know, you were going out looking for a new pastor and actually God said, it's, it's Chris. We've, we know St. Albans Vineyard have been through a similar thing. They've been looking for a, a, another pastor to take over and actually someone has risen up from inside the church. So we've always got to be responsive to what God is saying and what he's doing. Okay, so thank you for being patient with us and please continue to pray uh, that God will just keep adding to us uh, all that we need to see God's kingdom come. Okay, Nigel and Joe have been smiling on us while we've been talking. Let's move on. So we're into our last talk of, uh, of Growing Room today and um, I hope you've been enjoying this series. You've enjoyed it. we had a wonderful array of speakers delivering uh, different messages. If you're doing the five a day, you should be around Psalm 140. You're into the big long psalms now, so it's not quite as easy. 
But, you know, if you're doing the five a day, in the next couple of days you come into land uh, and you've read through the whole book of the Psalms. So I just encourage you just to keep dipping into the Psalms. It's a fantastic space to be, and it really will give you the space to grow. And uh, I'm going to... Um, well, I'll, I'll, let's just quickly recap. We, we did this to really help us be repotted into a bigger space of understanding about God and who we are and how we fit into that sort of narrative of the great God story. And, and we use the, the verse from Jeremiah 17 to talk about the person who's rooted into God. And when you're rooted in God, in a sense, you can ride out whatever life throws at you. Because Jeremiah says, you know, when drought comes, your leaves don't go brown because your roots find a deeper source of water, a deeper source of refreshing. I'm always nervous down here in the summer because my grass just turns to brown. And I think that's never going to come back. You know, but, but grass is resilient. It's got quite deep roots. And actually, when the rain comes, it comes back green, doesn't it? Uh, but actually, Jeremiah says, if you're a tree planted by the stream, a person who trusts in God, your roots go so deep they find a tap water that means you never go brown. You always stay green because you've got a deeper trust in God. And the Psalms help us to find that space and find, us that, find that deeper connection that's not just dependent on, on how we're feeling emotionally or what circumstances are saying to us around our lives. So I'd encourage you to keep growing uh, and going deeper with God and to become like this tree that Jeremiah talks about in Jeremiah 17. So uh, today we're going to touch into something that uh, Chris began to talk about last week, and that's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, it's an essential part of of our lives as Christians. I love this picture because it gives a a kind of direction of travel. It says we're going that way with Thanksgiving, and there's an opposite arrow going the other way. At Riverside, we're what we could call a centred set church. We put Jesus at the middle... And we try and centre around him and cluster around him and a set of values. And by having Jesus at the centre of our lives, we can determine on any given point, are we journeying towards him or are we journeying away from him? So you'll, you'll make decisions like me in the week that feel like bring you closer to God and occasionally might make a decision that takes you further away from God. You're kind of journeying one of two ways. And that's the dynamic nature of following Jesus. He said, follow me. And so therefore it's a dynamic process. And so... Thanksgiving can really help you journey towards Jesus. It's a way of orientating your life in a continuing way towards him. And so, as we think about Thanksgiving in the Psalms, we've got a number of Psalms that we can turn to. There's actually 16 of them. There they are. That are all Thanksgiving Psalms, specifically identified in the book of Psalms, within the 150 Psalms that are there. And these are characterized by expressing joy to God, expressing thanksgiving to God for something that God has done. Either he's done it or his character has displayed it. And they follow a similar pattern to the lament pattern that Joel mentioned a few weeks ago. There's an introduction. There's something that's happening, the distress that God needs to come and deal with, the appeal, the deliverance that God will do, and the testimony that actually he's come and done it. And you see this pattern throughout the different psalms. So if we, if we overlay that pattern on Psalm 118, you can see how it all sort of pans out there. Oops, I've gone too far. So an introduction in Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Don't you love that verse? It's one of my favourite verses. The distress, Psalm 118, verse 10, all the nations surround us, verse 12, they swarmed around me like bees. So verse 13, I was pushed back and about to fall. And then the appeal in verse 5. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord. 
Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. The deliverance in verse 5. He answered me by setting me free. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. And then in verse 15, the testimony. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. And so they don't always come in the, in the same order we've talked about, but all the elements are there within the Thanksgiving Psalms. Today I want to talk about the importance of making Thanksgiving a regular part of our lives. Now, if you're like me, you regularly forget to do this. Okay? You get caught up in situations or circumstances and you forget to give thanks on an ongoing basis. And when we do that, we can sometimes lose our bearings. Sometimes things get out of perspective. Sometimes situations overwhelm us and we lose reference points. And what Thanksgiving does, it keeps us connected back into the life of God. The word translated uh, give thanks in Psalm 118 is a Hebrew word. It means it's called Yardor. So Y-A-W-D-A-W, Yardor. And it means, it's an interesting word, it means to, to throw something, like a stone or an arrow. It means to, to literally throw something. Now we have got a family tradition. For years we holidayed down in Dorset in a place called Swanage and we had uh, young boys, and we'd walk along the beach, and we'd see uh, one of these. Now, do you know what they are? I didn't, so I looked it up. Because they're everywhere. And what they are, they're a red metal post with a metal cage on top, and they mark the end of a breakwater. So, when, like, like you've got down uh, on Tankerton Beach. And so, when your breakwater's visible and low tide, it's great, but when it's high tide, the breakwater disappears... And if you're bringing a boat in, you need to know where the end of it is so you don't crunch into it. But for us, whenever we saw one of these things, we had to throw stones at it. <laughs> because when you hit them, with a good-sized pedal, they go, ting, and they make a fantastic noise. And so we'd see one, we'd all rush down to the water's edge, we'd gather up our pebbles, and we'd stop. Well, you, you couldn't, because you're failing eyesight, you couldn't. <laughs> It's not in my notes, sorry. Okay. We'd have to sort of point you around. So we're pebbles and we're throwing and we're throwing and we're throwing. And on a good day, you know, depending on how, how far the tide was in, which made it further, or how far the tide was out, which made it closer, you know, hopefully within about five minutes you hear ping, and we're like, yeah, I've won. On a bad day, 10 minutes. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we're emptying the entire beach into the sea, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and I'm going, my arm is killing me. And it could be an hour, but the game meant we couldn't, we couldn't leave until we hit it. That was the rule. So we had to just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And eventually, someone would hit it and ping and we'd be able to walk on. Now, the next day, you wouldn't be able to lift your cup of tea because your arm would be absolute... I don't do a lot of throwing in my life. I'm not a particularly brilliant thrower. And so having to do this was an unnatural action. My boys are much better throwers than me. But even so, by the next day, if we'd been there, it would be an unnatural action, an unnatural set of muscles that you hadn't had to use like that before. And sometimes Thanksgiving can be the same for us. We're just not used to it. We're just not used to doing it. We're not used to the action of doing it. And so if we get out of practice or it feels alien to us, or it even feels a bit odd to us, or we feel like we're not very good at it, and we just don't do it. It doesn't become part of our lives. It puts a strain on us. 
See, see, thanksgiving is not just being polite. It's not like saying thank you when someone holds a door open for you or someone makes you a cup of tea. It's not, it's not just being polite. Thanksgiving is an action that we do that connects us with God. And that's why this word yardo is so powerful because it literally, it's, it's an active word. It means literally to connect in a very physical and dynamic way. And so it's not just about you being brought up well, so you say thank you. It's actually an active thing that we do that connects us into the life of God. It also means to worship with extended hands. So when we exhort, as Mark exhorted us this morning, to to be demonstrative in our worship, to do something active, again, it's connected in a very similar way. It means literally to worship with extended hands, to, to reach up and try and connect into the presence of God. And so it's got this lovely active thing that we need to do. God, God is, God, I think God is very much a God of, of a dynamic God, and he loves to draw us into things that actually cause us to be active within our spirits and our bodies. And when we give thanks, it's almost like we choose to do something that's very active, almost like throwing that stone at the post. It's a deliberate act that connects us into the life of God. It connects our life and God's life together. So much more than just saying thank you for someone doing something nice for you. And it's our opportunity to give something back to God, just like we do in worship. We we offer ourselves to God, and we with thanksgiving, we offer our thanks back to God. It's It's an action that we choose to do. And I think it's really powerful because it acts like a conduit. It's like a channel for God's blessing to flow. It's like we open, a, we open a pipe up to God when we choose to give thanks to him. Now, if you look at the life of Jesus, you could argue that Jesus never needed to give thanks because he was fully God, he was fully man, he was fully connected to the Father, he was spirit-filled, he didn't need to go around giving thanks. Yet we see a pattern in his life which is really, really interesting. Uh, in Matthew 14, Jesus performs the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And this is a great story. The disciples have been following him around. The crowds have been following him. They're in barren places. There's no fast food restaurants. There's nowhere to eat. And the disciples say, the crowds are hungry. We've got nothing to feed them. What should we do? And Jesus says, well, what what have we got? And and then they find a small boy's picnic, and it's the loaves and the fish, isn't it? That's all we've got. We've got the loaves and the fish. And Jesus says, okay, give that to me. And what does he do? He gives thanks, doesn't he? He gives thanks for what's the provision that's there, and then he gives it to the disciples, and they distribute it. And what happens? Everyone has a great lunch. And so much so, there's 12 baskets left over. There's a huge provision that takes place through the multiplication of the food. And that's in Matthew 14. And then again in Matthew 15, a crowd again following him round, 4,000 people this time. Again, three days without food. His teaching is so captivating, they've forgotten to eat. And so they're folding around everywhere. And, and suddenly this upside, they're all, they're all so hungry. Again, what are we going to do? And he said, what have you got? And again, they've got some seven loaves this time and some small fish. What does he do? He gives thanks. Gives thanks for what's, what's there. Gives to the disciples. The disciples distribute it. And again, everyone has a huge lunch. And seven basketfuls of leftovers are picked up. You see a pattern forming here. There seems to be a pattern between thanksgiving and the release of kingdom power. An incredibly powerful story in John 11, the death of Lazarus. Lazarus has died. Jesus is away. Um, 
and he's, he's called back, can you come and pray for Lazarus? Actually, Lazarus is sick, can you come back and pray for him? By the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Four days dead in John 11. And so Jesus says, take away the stone to the tomb that he's in. And they say, if we take away the stone, he's going to stink. It's hot, he's been dead four days. That's not a good idea. As Jesus says, no, take away the stone. And then what does he do? He looks up to heaven and he says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. And then he prays, and who gets up? Lazarus. Not even a bit smelly. He's raised from the dead. There's an incredible release again of kingdom power. The multiplication of the bread and the fish, the raising of Lazarus, all preceded by giving of thanks. And I think there's a real message here for us, that thanksgiving precedes power. Thanksgiving precedes a release of kingdom power. And I believe the thanksgiving demonstrated in the Psalms is, is, is what is being talked about here. Because it doesn't just mean saying thank you. When we give thanks, there's an expectation of God going to do something. It's a declaration. It's a statement of kingdom intent that God is going to do something. And it's like saying, God, I thank you for what you're about to do. I thank you for what you're about to do. I thank you that you're going to multiply these fish and loaves and feed these people. I thank you that you're going to raise this man from the dead. It's an expectation of kingdom power and release. You know, Lazarus had been dead four minutes, not four minutes, four days. You know, I've heard people, you know, brought back to life by the paddles and all sorts of things. This guy had been dead four days, four days dead. And yet Jesus brings him back to life. Back in the Psalms, back in Psalm 118, it says, All nations surrounded me. They swarmed around me like bees. I was pushed back and about to fall. But the psalmist says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. When we give thanks, we throw an arm out to God. And we throw an arm out into the kingdom. And we say, God, I thank you for who you are and all you're about to do. And it's kind of like we draw down the future fullness of the kingdom into the present. I thank you you're going to put it all right, God. I thank you you're going to bring your healing. I thank you that you're going to restore. And it's a way of anchoring us into the future fullness of the kingdom. And we might not see it yet. We might not experience it yet. But when we become thanksgivers, we anchor ourselves into the future fullness of what God is going to do. And we open that channel of God's blessing upon the earth now. It's much easier to give thanks after something's happened, isn't it? You know, it's, it's happened, it's done, we've seen it, we can give thanks for it. It's much harder to give thanks in expectation of what might happen. And that's the pattern we see time and time again in the scriptures. Jesus said to a disciple called Thomas, he said, you know, it's great that you believe in me now because you've seen me. But blessed are those who believe who don't see. Because when we choose to anchor ourselves in faith into something we don't see, we're ushering in that kingdom expectation. You know, Thomas wouldn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead until he could physically put his hand in the wounds that the cross had made and the soldiers had made. And Jesus said, Thomas, it's great that you believe because you've physically seen me, but actually there's a whole group of people who are going to believe who haven't seen me, who just believe in faith and expectation in the truth of who I am. And so thanksgiving is act of faith in belief of the coming kingdom. 
We're believing and we're drawing down the truth of the kingdom that will come. Pauline spoke the other day of her encounter with the Holy Spirit over in Herne Bay. And we prayed and, um, and the Holy Spirit fell on her. But how did we start that praying? We thanked God that where unity was, God commanded a blessing. We thanked God for a blessing that was about to come. And it, and it fell powerfully upon her. So thanksgiving is, is an act of faith that we give to God in fullness of expectation that he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so we start with thanksgiving and the blessing is released. The blessing is released. So because we're kingdom people, we're continually looking forward to that future. We're continually trying to draw that kingdom future into the present. And thanksgiving is such a key part of that. And so our thanksgiving should always be proactive not reactive. We shouldn't just be a people who thank God when we see things or receive things. We should be a people who are continually offering thanks to God, throwing an arm out to God into the future to say, God, we thank you for all that you're going to do. We thank you that you're going to bring people to salvation. We thank you you're going to bring healing. We thank you you're going to bring transformation. We thank you you'll set the oppressed free. We thank you for your heart for the poor and vulnerable. We thank you. Thanksgiving is what I've called here a proactive pronouncement. Love some peas this morning. A pronouncement is a declaration of authority. It's an assertion. It's a statement of, of, of utter conviction. And so when, we, when we, we give thanks, we're making that statement of conviction in who Father God is and what he's doing and his kingdom is coming. If our thanksgiving just shrinks to being dependent on what we see, what we receive, what we physically can see in our hands, then we won't develop kingdom mindsets. We won't be a people who are being drawn into the future. It says in Colossians 3, 1 to 4, it says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. And that's a really profound scripture, but quite a difficult scripture to, to assimilate, isn't it? You died if you follow Christ and received him, and your life is hidden in him. And you're seated with him somehow now spiritually in a heavenly place of authority, even though you're still seated firmly here on a chair. And that truth that's asserted in Colossians says, well, you need to fix your eyes on a heavenly place, a coming kingdom, and not get preoccupied with the kingdom that you see around you. And so it's a hard scripture to ask, to sort of to assimilate, but we can, you know, we can say, Father God, I thank you that I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I thank you that my future is secure. I thank you no matter what happens to me on this earth, I'm going to be with you forever. Based upon the truth of those statements, we can give thanks because those truths are unassailable. No matter what happens to you on this earth, that cannot be taken from you. No one can steal it from you. We watched a, a video, a Tortured for Christ, uh, this week in our small group, a very hard-hitting video about Richard Wormbrandt, who was captured in Romania by the communists and tortured for 10 years. And uh, it was very graphic, and I think very hard-hitting. But in the midst of all that, he never lost his faith. He never stopped praying. He never stopped giving thanks. He even prayed for the people who were torturing him on a daily basis because he knew they couldn't take this from him. They couldn't steal 
his identity and his position in Christ. So you might be having the worst day imaginable. You might be in the worst situation and the worst circumstance, but you can still give thanks. You can still give thanks because of who you are in Christ and because the kingdom is coming. You know, whatever you put in God's hands, he will multiply. So when Jesus took those bread and those fish and he must have cupped them in his hands, I thought, wow, 5,000 people. Here we go. I'm going to cut this into very small pieces and make sure no one squabbles. But he said, no, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that in the kingdom there's multiplication. The dunamis of the kingdom, the, the, the dynamite of the kingdom, the power of multiplication, the small seed that becomes the huge tree. So, Lord, you can take these loaves and fish and you can multiply them. And so in, I see them now being distributed because there's no lack in you, God. There's no lack of provision in the Father. So the fact that these fish and loaves are here in my physical hands, you can take them and you can multiply them. So in preparation of that, I give thanks. And everyone eats and there's loads left over. And what feels dead to you in your life, you can bring to God in the same way that Jesus said, Lazarus, you know, your physical form is dead, but I give thanks that you'll, you'll be raised. You'll live again. There might be things in your life that feel like Lazarus moments, but you can bring them to God and say, God, I give thanks that you can bring resurrection life into any part of my life and my situation. The Bible tells us to present our requests to God with thanksgiving in Philippians 4, 6. Whenever we pray, we sort of to precursor our requests with thanksgiving, a giving of thanks. That's in Philippians 4, 6. In the book of Revelation, in Revelation 11, the saints make this statement in the throne of God. They say, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. What an extraordinary statement. The saints in the throne of God, you've taken your power, God, and you have begun to reign. The kingdom of God is coming. It's unfolding. God's kingdom reign is extending over the whole earth, and he will transform it. And so we can say, we thank you, God, that this is the truth. We thank you, God, that you are bringing about your kingdom plan. We thank you, God, that you will restore all things. You will put everything right. We thank you, God, you're a God of justice, and you will bring justice to the earth. We thank you, God, that we'll see healings. You know, we've got healing rooms today. We can give thanks right now for the healings that are going to happen later on today. When we do that, we're drawing down the kingdom into the present. We're saying, we thank you, God, you're the healing God, and you can bring your healing. I'd love us at Riverside to become really accomplished thanksgiver throwers, yeah? So we could throw all day and not feel it the next day because we're so used to just exercising those muscles of thanksgiving over and over and over again in our daily lives, creating a huge conduit for kingdom blessing to come down in our communities. You know, if we can just keep exercising ourselves in worship and thanksgiving, we'll become an army for God. We'll become an army for God and for his purposes and what he wants. And we can make prophetic statements over this church with thanksgiving and declare what we want to see. We can declare what we want to see happen and we open the kingdom and we draw the future into the present. We can't be a church that just is short-sighted and just, and just looks around and says, it's all bad. Because we know we've got a king who is coming. And just as elders declared in Revelation 11, we thank you, God. You're the one who was and is and you are reigning and your power is being extended 
over the whole earth. And that's the truth in which we live. Let's stand together. In 1 Kings 18, the prophet Elijah, he hears the sound of heavy rain, and yet the sky is utterly clear above him. And we sing the song, don't we? There's a new song in our, in our, our worship. We hear the sound of heavy rain. And he declared that statement, even though the sky was clear, and seven times he prayed, and seven times the servant went back, and now the sky is still clear, the sky is still clear. And then on the seventh time, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. So Elijah was calling forth. He could hear something that no one else could hear. He said to the king, you better go and eat quickly because there's rain coming. And everyone's going like, where's the rain? There's not even a cloud in the sky. As kingdom people, we, we're like Elijah. We hear what God is doing, what he's about to do. We get to look down the road and see the king coming. And we can give thanks for what he's going to do because he's the coming king. Just like Elijah prayed, I hear the sound of heavy rain. So we sing it, but we can also begin to live it in our daily lives. You can give thanks every day for the king in which you serve, the fact you serve a loving father, the fact you know he's pouring out his goodness and his plans on the face of the earth. So let's begin to move into this. Let's begin to my people who really begin to practically be, be give thanks, thanks to us. Using that analogy, I often go to the beach and I throw stones in the sea. And I've got, I've got a pattern that someone taught me about. You take 10 stones um, and you thank God for those, those situations. And there's 10 stones that you really want to see God do something in. You know, the situations you want to see God break through in. And there's 10 stones you know you can do. As you cast those stones into the sea, each one is a prayer. An action of giving that prayer to God, giving that situation to God, giving that thanks to God. And we need to become more deliberative in the way we express our faith, more active and dynamic in the way we do this, because the scripture is really clear that we need to be a people who are active in our worship, active in our thanksgiving, active in our compassion. So I'm going to pray that up on. Is that okay? And if you want to go for that, stick your hands out, stick your hands up. I want to pray, God, I'll give you a real good throwing arm. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're calling us into all things of the kingdom. And God, I'll pray, pray a special anointing on this church today, God, to be thanksgivers, to be people who speak out truth in the form of thanks. They speak out the truth of who you are, the truth of what you're going to do, the truth of who we are. So Lord, we speak now prophetically, Lord, life over this church, that we become a people of thanks. And as we become a people of thanks, we'd see heaven open and we see the blessings of your kingdom released. So right now in Jesus' name, we just pray that anointing on your church. Let it rise up from the inside. We are compelled to throw stones at those red posts. I pray there'd be a compulsion in us to give thanks, to throw arms up to you on a regular basis, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. I pray your kingdom would overwhelm us and fill us in such a way you captivate our hearts afresh. Just see the Holy Spirit resting on it. It's a beautiful sight. Just keep receiving from him today. Let him impart something into your spirit that goes beyond is isn't just about you being polite or nice. This is about a kingdom impartation. We thank you for your spirit here today. We bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Would you open our mouths, God? Would you open our mouths, God?
you said, Lord, if we remain silent, the rocks will cry out. God, and I pray there'll be no rocks around here crying out because your church is crying out. It's crying out. So I pray release now in Jesus' name. Break off any inhibitions. I just pray for confidence and courage and power to flow through your church today. In Jesus' name. Let a fresh fire fall. Fire of God, let it come. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.